Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to Truth Quest Podcast. This is our Q&A where we look at questions through the lens of Scripture. Our desire is to know what God's Word says so that we can know what to believe. You can ask any question on any topic about the Bible or apologetics or prophecy. Just put a Q in front of your question and then write out your question, reread it so it makes sense and it, it, it says what you want it to say, and then add any references. We can look them up and take a look at the references here. A lot of times, just looking at something in context helps to bring that answer. Now, the question we have today for our first one comes from Jari at the end of our last Q&A. He asked the question, how come Moses dies twice? He was in heaven and enjoying it. Well, really, the truth is, Jari, Moses, as far as I know, is the only person who dies three times. He doesn't die. Wait a minute, let me think about that. He dies, well, he dies twice. Yes, he dies, he dies twice. <laughs> yeah, not three times, he dies twice. Um, but there are other people in the Bible who die twice as well. Now, one of the reasons people might have a problem with this is because the Bible says it's appointed once for man to die and then comes judgment. However, we do have several people in the Bible who died and came back to life. We have the young man that was had the funeral procession that Jesus ran into, and he raised him from the dead. We have Lazarus, who was dead for four days, and he was raised from the dead. He was died, died twice, we assume, in the intermediate state. He was in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from this flesh is to be in the presence of God, so we assume that he was there. We have the little girl that Jesus said, Tabitha Kumi, little girl, arise, and picked her up after she had died, Jairus, uh, was the, the leader of of the synagogue in Capernaum, his daughter. Um, we have the young man they threw on the bones of Elijah that comes back to life. We have Paul preaching a message well into the night and Eutychus in the window falls out and dies and Paul raises him back to life. We have Peter raising up Dorcas. Uh, remember that she uh, lived in Joppa and, and Peter went and raised her from the dead, a woman of, of good works, the Bible says. So these people all died and then came back. Uh, we also today have people who can die on the, on the operating table or die and be brought back to life that were able to keep oxygen moving through their brains, maybe through compressions or maybe by machines, and then their, their heart starts to beat again and they come back to life. I have a friend of mine who fell over on the seventh hole of Oro Valley Country Club and died. And the, the guys who were with him golfing, they did compressions, broke three of his ribs. But when the paramedics got there, they were able to take over. And um, he's, it says, he told me here recently, he never walks down hole number seven on Oro Valley Country Club, but he doesn't think about his own death. That, that he knows that he is mortal. Uh, and that would be a good reminder to all of us if something like that were to happen to us. So Moses is not unique. Now, what happened to Moses? Moses uh, was taken by God, shown the promised land in Deuteronomy, and then died. And God buried him. Now, this, the only person in the Bible that we know that God buried. And in Jude 1.9, Michael, the archangel, and Satan are contending over the body of Moses. So there's some reason that they want the body. Um, I believe it's because Moses and Elijah are the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 11. Some believe it's Enoch, who is a person who never died. Elijah, remember there was a chariot of fire that separated Elisha and Elijah, and then took Elijah up in a whirlwind. So Elisha is the only person that we know, Elijah and Enoch, who didn't die. But I believe that Enoch is a type of the Gentiles, and he is taken up before the flood, Methuselah, Enoch was a prophet and he named Methuselah. When he dies, it will take place. And if you map it out, Methuselah dies the year of the flood and then the flood comes. But Enoch is taken out before the flood at 365 years old. And I think that's an example, a type of the, of the church being raptured. The Bible talks clearly about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In fact, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep and are gathering together with him. It, it's funny, there are, I think, three things the Bible talks about not being ignorant. The, the restoration of the nation of Israel in Romans 11, the rapture of the church 
is, is another one of them. And the third one slips in my mind right now. But how many people are ignorant, and I use that just in the simple term, not as an insult, of the return of Christ and of the gathering together of the saints? How many times do I have people who will say in comments, the rapture doesn't happen. There's no such thing as a rapture. They just don't believe in the rapture. I don't know if they haven't thought it through or what, but there will always be someone alive when Jesus returns. That's why he comes back to save the living and the dead. He, and the dead are resurrected and the alive are raptured. I don't know what theology you would have that you don't believe Jesus is going to return, but it's a main tenet of, of Christianity that Jesus is going to return one day. And when he does, there will be live people that will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And that is called the rapture, no matter when you put it or, or, or how you want to put it. All right. So um, Jari, um, he's not unique. He is one of the very, very few. There's only a few that have died twice, um, but he is not unique in the fact that he has died twice. But I do appreciate the question. And um, we do have a, by the way, a short form video, um, hot topic on the two witnesses uh, that was just released on Monday. And so we talk um, about the two witnesses and who they are. Um, as I said, I believe they are Moses and Elijah. And I go over the reasons in the video why I believe that they are those two. And then Elijah will die and Moses will be, you know, be resurrected a second time. And he's resurrected um, there on the spot three and a half years um, after, uh, I think it's after the um, abomination of desolation during the tribulation period. All right, so good to see you guys. Jari, we're going to give you two questions today. Of course, this is a follow-up. Um, so Jari, who had asked the question about Moses, says follow-up. Um, but those people died for only a short time. Moses has been in the presence of God for a long time. How do you think he will feel having to come back to a fallen world? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so the longest was four days. As I said, I think he was in the presence of God. Moses has been there a long time. Moses is the, as a servant of the Lord. And I'll guarantee you, he has a servant's heart. And he's not going to be like, I'm up in heaven now. I've got to go back to earth. I've got to go do that again. I don't think it's going to be that way. I think that when you are a servant of God, you will do whatever God wants you to do. Uh, this is the truth about ministry. If ever you're called into ministry, you have to have a servant's heart. You need to be willing to do things you don't want to do because you are a servant. That's what you're called to. And I think that that's Moses. And um, even though he's been there a long time, I don't think he's going to throw a fit, act like he doesn't want to go back. Um, you do hear, and, I, and I've heard it attributed to a lot of people. I've heard it attributed to uh, D.L. Moody, uh, to Charles Spurgeon, uh, Chuck Smith said it, um, and um, Billy Graham said it. Something like, if I die and you pray for me, and I come back to life. I'm going to be so mad at you. <laughs> so the idea that I'm going to be up in heaven and then I'm going to have to go back. Um, if you do come back to life, you just think that through. If, if D.L. Moody died and then somebody prayed for him and he came back to life, that's not going to happen just because someone prays. It's going to happen because God has a plan and a purpose. And D.L. Moody would have been glad to do the rest of the work that God had called him to do. Just like we want to finish our race. And we want to finish our race well. And um, so, so would Chuck Smith, and so would Billy Graham, and so would Charles Spurgeon, and anybody else that, else that that quote has been attributed to. They're not really going to be mad at you if they come back from the dead, because you didn't raise them up, it was God, and that means God had a plan for them, and God had a plan for Moses. And if God has a plan for, for me, I want to finish the plan God, God has for me. And for Moses to be able to come back and finish that plan at the end of the age, um, I think he will be honored to be able to do it. I don't think that he'll be, I've been up in heaven all this time and I got to make it. I don't think that's the way it's going to be. All right, Jari, thank you for your question. I appreciate that. Um, we have a question from Albert. Albert, good to see you. Albert says, when kings of the East rebel against the Antichrist, they will battle before they both turn to fight against Jesus. Since they are both evil, why do they fight against one another? Because I think, now think of it this way, um, there's a lot of evil going on in the world today, but they're battling against each other. One day, they will face Jesus. The Bible says, every eye will see him and every tongue will confess. You just move... The, the war 
wars between those who are, are warring for worldly issues today, you move that forward, they're warring over issues. The kings of the East have come over, it looks like, with a 200 million man army to be able to defeat the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, the false witness and the, um, and the uh, dragon, have demons that come out of their mouths like frogs and gather together an army and gather together at um, Mount Megiddo to be able to fight against this army that comes over the East. And then in the middle of that, Jesus returns. And the battle is going on in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, even in the Kidron Valley, which is right next to Jerusalem. And they're all part of the same network. As far as I understand it, you have the Kidron Valley, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, then the Jezreel Valley where Mount Megiddo is by. And the, um, they'll just turn and fight against him. But it's not like everybody on the planet is united in, because they're evil, to be able to fight against God and not against each other. There's a, it, there's a lot of evil in the world. And there's a lot of fighting that goes on between each other. So they're certainly not like, these two groups don't go, the enemy of my enemy, or your enemy is my enemy, so we're friends. You know, it's like, they're battling and they have no idea that Jesus is going to return, at least as far as we know, in the middle of this battle. They have brought together these forces, two of the largest armies that have ever been assembled on planet Earth, and they will battle against each other. And Jesus comes back in the middle of it, and I'm quite sure, Albert, it surprises them and they turn to fight against him because he's destroying them. Um, and remember, this is, a, this is the great feast of the birds. The blood flows up to the neck of the horse's mane, and he calls the birds to come to the great feast of God, to feast upon the bodies of those who have been killed. And so they turn to fight against him because he's coming to destroy them and um, will destroy them with the brightness of his coming, the Bible says. All right. So thank you very much, Albert. I appreciate uh, your question. Uh, we have a question from Fact Check These Hands. And um, if you're here with us for the very first time, really glad to have you here. Uh, fact check these hands says, your thoughts on Satan was trading with in on um, who Satan was trading with in Ezekiel 28, 16. Some claim they were a civilization on earth before humans were created. Yeah, um, let's take a look at that. So, yes, there are a few theories that are out there that fall into the gap theory. The people believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and then it says, um, and God created, and they were without form and void. And then there's a passage, I think it's in Isaiah, that says, God created the earth and did not create it formless and void. And so they tie those two together and have a gap, and then they put, some people put dinosaurs in that gap, some people put civilizations in that gap. So there's all kinds of of these theories that are out there. And um, I've heard unique theories about people living before Adam and Eve. Um, I don't know, 10 maybe over, over time. So I've heard a lot of them. Um, but let me look at Ezekiel 20 and 16, see what that has to say. Where am I at? I'm not in Ezekiel. I am in, yeah, I am. Ezekiel 28, 13, okay. So let me just get, I'm going to take a moment here and look at the um, heading, Lamentations for the King of Tyre, Ezekiel 28. So this is the one where he's talking about the King of Tyre, but he's also talking about the power behind the King of Tyre, and that's Satan. So we're going to pick this up from verse 1, 2016, well, let's pick it up from verse 11, and we'll get to verse 16 here in a minute. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. So now all of a sudden, we get back to Satan. It's the power behind the king of Tyre. The same thing happens in Isaiah 12, talking about the king of Babylon, where else he starts talking about Satan. So he's not telling the king of Tyre, it's because Satan is the king of Tyre behind the power of the king of Tyre. You were the seal of perfection, meaning that, hey, he was perfect. And he had the potential to fall, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, which makes us think that he was in Eden before he deceived Eve. Every stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes which causes people to believe that Satan was a worship leader 
in heaven and talk bad about worship leaders, comparing them to Satan, which I think is a horrible thing to do. I would never, ever bring that up. Um, was prepared for you on the day you were created. I love our worship leaders, by the way. We've got a lot of them and they're really good. Um, they were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were uh, the anointed cherub who covers. So now you can go back and look up the cherubim and see what they look like, which is interesting. There's the seraphim, which many scholars, Old Testament scholars, believe was is seraph is a poisonous snake the burning one, a burning snake. When they bite you, it burns, they're poisonous. Um, Natash is Hebrew for serpent, and um, seraph is Hebrew for a poisonous snake. And the seraphim, a burning one, uh, might not be like a, like they're all lit up, like burning, but they're, they're like a poisonous snake. And um, many believe that Satan was not only a cherub, but was a seraphim as well. And then it says, I establish you on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. And so here we have a description of what he was like until he was prideful. Until he said, I will be like the most high God, which is the same temptation he gave to Adam and Eve. If you eat this, you will be like God. I will be like the Most High God. I will I will rise um, my throne up to His throne. He wasn't saying above God. I, th I don't think he thought he could be above God, but I think that he thought he could be like God. And that, that's the iniquity that was found in him. And then he says, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. Yeah, that is an interesting verse. Let's read just a little bit later on. Let's go over and look up that word. You are, um, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Yeah, that is, a, that's an, interesting, that is an interesting verse. Let me come back here. Uh, fact check these hands. Um, good question. I'm going to change over here to my concordance. This is just Strong's. Um, I wish they had an app for um, BDAG to be able to look up Greek and Hebrew. Um, but on my phone, I've just got the um, Strong's Concordance, which is helpful. Um, it's not as helpful as BDAG. And uh, maybe someday I'll get my logo set up on here where I can use my BDAG, which is what I use when I'm when I'm studying. But here, um, let's go to, what is it, 2 Kings, right? No, Ezekiel. Huh. <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, Ezekiel... Where is Ezekiel? All right, there it is. Ezekiel 28, verse 14, right? 16. Ezekiel 28, 16. All right, and so then we want to go, the multitude of, your, of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And so, oh, how did that other one, let me just look up the word for merchandise here. This is the word for trading. All right, let me put this up on the screen for you. So this is the Strong's Concordance, and it says, let me I'm gonna turn on my Do Not Disturb. That way we don't get anything pops up or dings. And then let's go back to here. So there's the Strong's number and um, the Hebrew word. And the way it's pronounced, Rekhulo, Rekhula, Lao, Rekhulo, La. Um, it's feminine, passive, um, trade, as in pedal, merchandise, traffic. Let's um, let's go see how some other, let's go see how some other passages uh, covered the, uh, say this. Let's just especially go to the Amplified Bible. We may get some help there. Okay, we're going to go to verse 16. The Amplified Bible is a Bible that just, you know, amplifies the words and can sometimes be helpful in the way they put it. So this is, um, through the abundance of your commerce, you were internally filled with lawlessness and violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out in profane, unholy thing. Um, yeah. Well, now I got something to look up. Fact check these hands, because I don't know. Um, never noticed it before, which is really funny when you think about it because I've taught line by line, verse by verse through the book of Ezekiel at least three times. 
And um, when you get to that passage, I guess you get caught up on so many other things that you just miss a little statement like, what, what is he trading? What's the commerce? Um, that's interesting. So do I think it was a civilization on earth before humans were created? Um, I don't think so. I don't think there was a civilization. Um, and I'll tell you why, because the Bible says, death came to all men through Adam. And I'm trying to remember, I think it's in Romans, but I can't remember the exact verse. Um, but death came, and so, um, if you want to call them not men, you might be able to argue that it wasn't man, that they died, but they weren't men. They were some other kind of a, a creation before that. Um, I don't know that I would get that. Maybe, who knows? I mean, the angelic world, such a mystery to us. I can't, is there some kind of commerce? Is there, was there some kind of, of trading? I'm trying to think if um, you're filled with violence. It's just such an interesting passage. Filled with lawlessness and violence through the abundance of your commerce. You were filled with, um, let's look at NASB really quick. And then we're going to go ahead and move on because um, I'm, I'm not sure. It's an interesting verse. Let me see, 14, 15, 16. Okay, we're going to look at an ASB, which is probably one of the best translations that's out there. I think it is. Um, by the abundance of your trade, you were literally uh, or eternally filled with violence and you sinned. Um, the abundance of your trade. I'm trying to think of another way that that word trade or commerce could be used. Um, interesting. So I'm just going to have to leave it there. Sorry, I don't have an answer for you. Fact check these hands. This was a stump the pastor question, all right, which is, uh, which is okay. Uh, it's a good thing. So we can uh, take time to look that up, all right? Uh, I, I appreciate that. Fact check these hands. Good to see you. Um, so Jari has a question now. So we had Jari as the first question. Then we had a follow-up. Oh, this is another follow-up. Um, okay, <laughs> follow-up, Jari. Um, follow-up. Will the two witnesses know about what is happening on the earth or will they have to relearn everything and they will be full grown and go through puberty again? No, they won't be born. No, they're, um, Elijah and Enoch are going to come back to the earth. They will come back. Um, Enoch is already full grown up in heaven and they aren't going to be born. They're going to come back to the earth. All right. So, um, thanks, Jari. I appreciate that. Um, we have a question from Henry. Henry, good to see you. Henry says, uh, when the resurrection event happens, it has been said that there is a gap until the tribulation starts. Who shares the gospel during that gap? Does God always have ways to lead others to salvation? So I'm going to take your questions in reverse here. So yes, it, it, um, those that take the mark of the beast, it seems, the way it's worded, once you've taken the mark of the beast, that's it. You can't, you know, you can't be saved. It's like we think that when someone dies that they don't have another opportunity. There's death and then there's judgment. Um, now, let's go back to your first question, and that is, is there a gap? And this is a matter of debate. The truth is we don't know. You could have the rapture of the church and then the Antichrist come on the scene and maybe the Antichrist is already here before the, the resurrection rapture happens, but he signs a peace treaty that seems to kick off the 70th week of Daniel, the last seven-year period that is worse than anything this world's ever going to see or ever going to go through. Um, some have pointed out that it says in Matthew and in Luke 17 that the day Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, sudden destruction came upon them. The day that Noah entered into the ark, sudden destruction came upon them. And so that there is no gap between it. I don't think there has to be a gap. Um, some who believe in the pre-wrath position are very, um, uh, what's the right word? They're um, very exact about the day of the Lord. That it's always means the same thing everywhere. And the day of the Lord is the persecution 
of the um, of the Antichrist and the and Christians instead of the Antichrist and tribulation saints or tribulation Christians, um, and they'll and they'll claim that there can't be a gap. But I'm not that exact with the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord talks, sometimes it talks about the actual day he returns. Sometimes it talks about the seven-year period. Sometimes it talks about the time near the end. That is even broader than the day of the Lord. Remember, the Bible is a library of 66 different books. And so the way one author might use the day of the Lord is different than the way another author would do it. And it's written over a 1,500-year period. So how can you go back and say that Jeremiah is using the day of the Lord in the same manner that Paul is in Thessalonians, hundreds of years apart from one another. The day of the Lord doesn't always mean the same thing in scripture. Context is going to help you with that. And there's, there's words in the English that are like that as well. They mean several things, but when you read them in context, it helps to know what it means. Sometimes the day of the Lord means the day he returns. So there doesn't have to be a gap. There could be a gap. We just don't know. Um, so, who would share the gospel during that time? I think we still would. So, hey, all my family, right, knows I'm a believer. All your family probably knows you're a believer. They're probably some of them that are annoyed with you. Um, my wife bought a book. I don't know if she's listening to this and she could bring me the book in. Uh, but my wife bought a book um, on that, we, that we're leaving at the house um, so that it's about after we're gone. And, you know, what has happened? When they find, they'll find it and they'll bring it. And um, she bought several of them uh, that we can leave in different places so they'll be able to pick up and read. And trust me, when people leave, the theories are going to be out there and the rapture of the church is going to be one of them. And there are people who are going to come to Christ during that time because of our witness and our testimony that will still be here on the earth after we are gone. And then once they're saved, they're going to start making disciples right away. There are going to be people, they're going to have to be making decisions. There are going to be people that are scared. There are going to be people who have lost um, loved ones that are just disappeared. Um, I believe children will be taken in the rapture. So I, that will, I believe that will bring tr a tremendous amount of chaos when the children are taken away. And people will, will be horrified with that. And many of them will realize it. How about um, backslidden Christians or Christians um, who had a commitment to Christ but didn't follow through with it? who are well aware of it. There's a lot of people who know about the rapture but are not walking with the Lord right now. And they're going to be, immediately begin to share their faith during that time. So that's what I believe happens um, when we are taken up. And, um, uh, and we, do, we are taken up before the tribulation period. I believe Jesus could come back at any moment. It also says that we are kept from the hour of testing to come upon the whole earth. And that in um, Luke 21, we're to pray that we're counted worthy to escape all of these things that come to pass and stand uh, before the Son of Man. So thank you, Henry, for your question. I appreciate that. It's a good thought. And as I said, um, I'll, I'll find out exactly um, what that book is, and um, I'll get it to you. I'll, I'll have it in here. Next time, I'll show you the book that uh, she ordered to let people know um, that, hey, we're gone, and this is, this is what happened. Um, so, we have a question from Melissa. Melissa says, um, is taking birth control a sin? Um, I'm going to give you the short answer first, and then I'm going to go ahead and break this down on why it's an issue, Okay. Taking, a birth, taking birth control is not sin. Using birth control is not sin. Um, the Catholic Church will say it's sin, but I don't know what percentage of the Catholic Church uses birth control. Um, a large percentage of the, the Catholic Church uses birth control. Now, the reason people would think it's wrong is because when God made man and Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful and multiply the earth. And so people will say, well, he never rescinded that order. And so we're supposed to be fruitful. And there have been certain cults, um, vision form, where the guy was finally arrested for, I think for molestation. Um, the um, other groups uh, that, you know, the woman's job is to have babies, to have as many as she can, and she saved through childbearing. Um, they just misuse a whole bunch of scriptures and say that if you don't want to have kids, um, then you are against what God is saying and doing. 
um, the Catholic Church believes that marriage is just for procreation or, or that the, the act of, of making love is only for procreation. When the Bible teaches not to withhold yourself from one another, uh, sex was God's idea created by God. And so it's a good thing. It's, it's for intimacy, the two becoming one flesh. Um, the one flesh is the act of, 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 of having sex, of making love. And so it was God's desire. The marriage bed is not to be undefiled. And um, that's after you're married. It's a good thing um, for the marriage bed not to be undefiled. So no, taking birth control is not sin. Um, you might say, well, it's stopping a life. Yes, um, you could get pregnant and that would be a life. Um, but the, the life was never around. The life um, never started. All right. So, um, as far as I know, I've heard contrary, I've heard the arguments and we may get into them here. Um, but no, I do not believe taking birth control is wrong. All right. So, um, we have a question. Yeah, this is a good question. So Stephen says, how many rapture type events do you see in the Bible? I see at least two that, that look like the, the, that people mistake for the same event. So we have the event in First First Thessalonians chapter four and First Corinthians chapter fifteen. I'm not going to go to those passages, but I'm just going to tell you what they say. It says, "I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died, fallen asleep, um, lest you grieve as others who have no hope. But um, those of us who are alive and remain will not precede those who have fallen asleep. But with a shout of the, the uh, and a trumpet, then the dead in Christ will rise, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together and meet them with the Lord." Okay, so as I said, where whenever you put that, I don't care if you're all millennials, post millennial, um, pre millennial, um, what's what's the other one, non millennial, then you still believe in the return of Jesus, and you still believe people will be alive when He returns. So every Christian believes in the rapture of the church that it is an event that happens. It's just when that event happens that is the argument. Now, when Jesus returns. There is that event. We will meet him in the clouds and we will forever be with the Lord. Paul talks about us changing. This mortal must put on immortality. Um, we're not all going to die or not all going to sleep, but some are going to be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye. Um, and so there's that event. Now, in Matthew 24, near the end of this, and we have a video on this. Um, the video is, is Matthew 24, the video is called um, this is not the rapture, and uh, it's on this section, all right? So, I think it's 28, Matthew 24, 28. Yeah, so um, you've got the return of Jesus here. So, I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the screen. Stephen, thank you for your question, all right? So, um, I would say I see, I see two of them, one at the beginning of the tribulation period and one at the end. So, again, you have people who are alive and part of the church, people who are alive and part of Israel, and we don't ever hear, well, just listen to how different this sounds, how similar it sounds to the rapture, and how different it sounds. Some will even say that there are two raptures in the Bible, and they'll call this a rapture. I don't call it a rapture, I'll show you why. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Now, when the rapture of the church happens, it doesn't say the people of the earth see him. In 1 Thessalonians, and we may go there after this just to get a, con, just to get a, get, um, get a comparison and contrast with it. So the people of the earth see him here and he will send forth his angels with a trumpet, with a great trumpet blast, and um, the First uh, Corinthians says the last trumpet. So people put it in the last trumpet of the seven trumpet series. But there can be more than one last trumpet. There can be a last trumpet in a series. There can be a last trumpet of the church, right? But with a trumpet blast. So just because there was a, a trumpet at the resurrection doesn't mean it was the last trumpet ever. It was, I believe, the last trumpet for the church age that now is ended and the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 37, has begun. And it says, he will send forth his angels with a, tr a great trumpet blast and they will gather together his elect. 
Now these are Israel that Revelation tells us have been taken on the wings of eagle and carried out into the wilderness and hidden away from the dragon that wants to kill them. Then the dragon is given authority to overcome the saints. And we know that that's through the Antichrist and the false prophet when they demand worship of the saints and they don't give them the mark of the beast and they kill anyone who doesn't do it. That's why Revelation 3.10 where it says, because you have persevered, I will keep you from the hour of testing that will come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. That's why that can't be through. That's how people read it. Well, we're not saying we're going to be raptured. We're going to go through it and God's going to keep us through it. No, he's given, the, the Antichrist has given complete authority over the saints. And, and by the way, from chapter, uh, you have the church mentioned like 20 times before chapter 4. In chapter 4, you have a heavenly scene, a door opens up, a voice says, come up here to John. John's in heaven for two chapters, and then the tribulation period starts. And for the rest of the tribulation period, the church is never mentioned. It's mentioned, it's mentioned 20-something times in chapters 2 and 3, and then never mentioned again. Saints are mentioned, but not the church, not the ecclesia. Remember that word ecclesia doesn't just mean a gathering. It means someone has power. There was an ecclesia in Athens. There were an ecclesia in other Greek cities. They had power to hire people to make war. They had that the ecclesia was a council, a group of people. And we are God's ecclesia. We've been given authority. We've been given power. And um, so the church is gone during the tribulation period. Never mentioned, not one time. There are saints and there are the elect. And because in, um, in times past, there has been replacement theology teaching that the church fulfills all the promises to Israel and ignore all of the passages that say that Israel is going to be saved and Israel is going to be restored. A revelation, um, Romans 11, 25 and 26, blindness in part has happened to Israel, but they shall be saved until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled and they will all be saved. So there is a restoration of Israel. So the elect here are Israel and tribulation saints that got saved after the the church was taken out of the way and the tribulation period started from the four winds and from one end of the sky to the other. So from everywhere that they are, they are taken uh, to be with the Lord. Now, Jesus in, in this is returning to the earth um, when he comes and this event looks completely different. There's no resurrection with this event. Although I do think there is a resurrection at the very end as well, but not here, not at this point in this event. And so, yeah, I can see why um, people like Jimmy Evans will call this a second rapture. Um, I just think that confuses the issue. It's better to look at this as the gathering of those who are alive in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, from around the earth at his return, and they're brought to Jerusalem where Jesus returns. All right, so thank you, Stephen, for that question. I appreciate that. I don't, I can't think of any other event that would be like that. So those are the only two events that I would see that would be um, rapture type of events. And I like the way you worded it, rapture type of events. All right. Um, so Kimberly, Empress Kimberly has a question. Hi, Pastor. Um, when God has given you an assignment, does he tell you um, when you're coming to the end? I've been um, caring for my parents for five years. They are declining. I want to finish well. Um, well, thank you for your question. Let me go ahead and get, uh, let me do this background change here. And I don't know why I'm on that part of my phone. All right, we'll do that. All right. Um, thank you, Kimberly, for your question. I really do appreciate that. Um, and, you know, may the Lord be with you, bless you, comfort you, strengthen you um, while you are caring for them. Um, and, and let's just go back to your question here. When God gives you an assignment, and so for you, it's caring for your elderly parents. Um, does he tell you when you're coming to the end? I've been caring for my parents for about five years. They are declining. I want to finish well. I don't want you to finish well as well. And I want to finish well. Um, so I'm trying to think. I don't think that God's going, God's certainly not going to give you an audible voice. And the Lord may let you know that there are some changes that are coming and taking place. You may know because they are, they're getting older. Um, I've shared with you before that my late wife um, died of cancer in 2012, lung cancer in 2012. And um, while I was caring for her, 
when when it was a couple when it was a month out, I felt like it was still going to be a year. But things went down so fast that when she said to me about a week before she died, um, I think God's going to take me. We were believing for a miracle. We were praying. We we're believing God is going to heal her. And I said to her, no, you know, God's going to heal you. And um, I couldn't think of a greater thing for God to do than to heal the wife of a, of a pastor. And I believed it. And um, she settled in. And she kind of changed the way she was approaching things. And um, I, a little bit after that, it was like I settled into it. And I don't know if it was God revealing it to me or, or me just finally going, the Lord's, the Lord's going to take her. But um, within a week or so, she went through a couple of tough days and she died. Um, I, like I said, I, I didn't have any idea she did. I didn't have any idea up until really close to the end. Um, so, you know, I think it's probably different. I, I don't know that God always has to do that. We run the race. We're going to run it until we're finished. We aren't going to bail out. We're not going to grow weary in well-doing, right, Kimberly? But lest after running the race, we don't receive, you know, is what it says in the book of Galatians. So we want to run the race really well. And may God be with you as you're um, going down this path. And may you find plenty of help and um, as you walk them into this part of their lives. And... Uh, uh, you know, I'll say, Kimberly, it's, it is a privilege to walk someone through the end of their lives. It's to be able to be there for them, to love them, to care for them, to show them tenderness, to, to show them Christ. If they're Christians, be ministered to by them, which my wife certainly did with, with, with those that came to visit her. All right. So um, may the Lord just strengthen you as you are, are caring for her, all right? Now, if you're here with us for the very first time, really glad to have you here. If you have a question, you can write it in the comment section. Just put the word question in front of it, or Q, or question mark, and then write out your question and reread it and edit it. <laughs> Make sure it makes sense. And um, then go ahead and submit it. Don't be in too much of a hurry to get it submitted. And um, put a reference with it. If I don't get to it, because our Q&As are an hour long, if I don't get to it, I read the comments that are there that I didn't get to, and I look for them for a future Q&A um, like I did today. All right? Let's see. So um, Henry has another question. Henry says, um, God all-knowing, knowingly create all things. He did create Satan to fall. So the ultimate glory of salvation could take place. Yeah, um, I like what Frank Turek says about these kind of questions. So, we've got a world in, in front of us that has pain, suffering, and evil. And we've got people that are choosing God, that free will, and they're choosing to love God and serve Him. And there's been a lot of them who have done it over the years. And there's a lot of people today in the world. And, and there's revivals happening around the world. There's a revival happening in Iran. There's a revival happening in Korea where people are coming to Jesus. And Frank Turek says, maybe this is the best combination for the most people to see evil and the contrast of good and God for them to choose to follow God. You know, God could always make a better world, right? God could always make a world that is better than this one, a more beautiful sunset or more beautiful mountains. God could always make a better world. But when it comes to people getting saved, we may be in the absolute perfect world to do that. So the Bible says that God, in Acts, 12, Acts 17, that God puts us in times and places because he is not far from each of us. So even those, this was the Athenians, this was people in Athens during the days of Paul. And Paul told them he's not far from any of us. God wasn't far from any of them. And we may be surprised when we get to heaven about who responded positively to the light that they were given and were able to make it to heaven. And I'm not saying people aren't saved not by the name of Jesus, because they are. There's no other name given under heaven whereby they can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. But Abraham is an example in the Old Testament of believing God and being accredited righteousness and never heard the name of Jesus. 
but he believed what God said. He responded to the revelation that he was given, which was a, a large revelation. And God accounted it to him as righteous uh, when he did that. So um, that's interesting. And I do think the world that, we've, that we have now, um, people will say to me, why don't we have a world where there's no pain and no sorrow, no evil? Why don't we have a world like that? Well, it's on its way. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that in heaven there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. But in between that, we have this world that we have to serve and love him. And seeing evil gives us a contrast of good. Without the darkness, how do you know what how glorious light is? Without ugliness, how do you know what beauty is? So, we, we, I live in Arizona. We drive between Tucson and Phoenix. Some of the most ugly desert you will ever see. When you get back to Tucson, we're in the Sonoran Desert. There are saguaros, mesquite trees, Palo Verde trees. And it's a desert to be sure, but it's beautiful. Especially in the spring. When there's wildflowers, the Palo Verde trees are blooming. It's just absolutely amazing. And... I understand how beautiful it is here because I drive through Florence, Arizona, through between Phoenix and Tucson, which just gets as ugly as it can possibly be. You look out at that desert and you're like, that's a desert. That's a place where I wouldn't want to have to look at all the time. So I think that's what's happening, Henry. I think that we're getting the beauty of God and that God created a world that is perfect for us to be able to live in and for us to be able to make a decision to respond positively to the light. And if we didn't have evil, we might not respond. We might not understand how good God is and respond to the light. We'd be left to ourselves. So, um, Violet Stagg, I see you here. Good to have you. I think you asked me a question last time I couldn't answer, if I remember right. Or I gave a lame answer. I can't remember which one. Sometimes I'll give a lame answer and think later, ah, I didn't answer that well. Sometimes, yeah. I just don't know, uh, but it's good to see you. So um, yeah, we have a question from Rod, and um, Rod says, question, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, do you think there is a gap between the dead in Christ rising first and then we who are alive and remain? Well, since we wanted to go to this passage anyway, we're, we read Matthew 24, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 13, which is the very beginning of this. Um, and so verse 13 says, and you, uh, you were looking at, um, I'm going to, let's see. Oh my God. Embrace Kimberly's still there. <laughs> All right. So, um, but we do not want you to be uninformed brethren and sisters or brothers and sisters. Oh, you know what? I'm in the NASB. Let me get back to the King James. All right. There you go. But I do not, you want you to be ignorant brethren. And again, that ignorant just is in the ear. You don't, you're unlearned about it. You just don't know. And, and they're, Israel's restoration and the second coming of Christ. And there's one more. I wish I could remember what the other one is. I will. I'll remember it. Um, but I do not want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. Now this means he's bringing his, their, their, them in their intermediate state, whatever that is. The intermediate state is that time between you die and when you're resurrected. Um, Paul talked about not being unclothed, but clothing. Some believe there's a temporary body. Some believe that as a spirit, you're able to manifest a body um, or maybe be in the, the spiritual um, form. Maybe we just don't know. There's just a lot of questions about it. Um, but anyway, he brings with him those who sleep, and by sleeping means die in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. I love that. This is the word of the Lord, Okay. It's the emphasis, the beginning of the rapture passage. This we say to you by the word of the Lord. We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain um, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, I want to read the rest of this, but i just thinking about your question. So the dead in Christ arise first, then we who are alive and remain. I don't know whether the Greek has something here that could be helpful. Sometimes there is, where, you know, just the wording 
can, can only be taken immediately as if as in immediately. So does this then here mean immediately or does it mean it could be sometime after that? I can't see the Jesus coming in the clouds, resurrecting the saints, hanging out for a while, and then we're who are alive and remain will be caught up. Which is what it says. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, I can't see there being a huge gap. They will go first and then we'll go. And I take it there's going to be some kind of markers on the grave, something. Graves busted open. I don't know. Maybe they'll just pass through the graves. Um, some people believe we'll pass through our clothes and leave them behind, which is why you should wear clean underwear. Sorry. Sorry. I, I shouldn't have said it. I can't help it. I can't help myself sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether we leave clothes behind or not and be further clothed. All of a sudden, we're in a white robe, woo, going up to heaven, which you see pictures of that. Um, I don't see a big gap. So there's one and the other. Um, but I don't, I don't see hearing about the graves and then all of a sudden us going or, or days later, I see it happening. I see it as the same event, the, the res uh, rapture, the res rapture, same event. So resurrection, that is also a rapture. And that's my new word for it. Res rapture, not unique with me, by the way, somebody, I said, I wanted to find a new name for it because so many people are confused about what's happening with the rapture of the church, that I wanted a unique name and somebody came up with Resurrapture. All right, um, so we have a follow-up from Henry. Henry says, uh, follow-up to my tribulation gap question. So do you think there are saved people that won't be raptured because they did not walk with Christ in their lives? Also, thank you. I would love to get that book. So if my wife is watching now, every, every once in a while she'll um, be doing something and then tune into it, um, then she can bring me that book and I'll tell you what it is. So um, so we'll see. Um, I think she's I think she's here. Um, all right. So let's see. Follow up to the tribulation grab question. Do you think um, there are okay? So this is a partial rapture theory. Okay. So there are those who believe in the partial rapture theory, which would be that if you aren't looking for him, then you're left behind. Or if you're in sin, then you're left behind. And that you're going to have to go through the tribulation period now because you didn't have things right. You were genuinely saved, but because you weren't looking or because there was sin in your life, then you were left behind. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that as being biblical. Um, in fact, the Bible says that when they test our works, some are going to make it as if through fire. So some are going to barely make it into heaven. So I would think that that person who's going to barely make it into heaven, maybe they're not looking and maybe they got problems in their lives, but they, they make it up in the rapture and they're able to, to, be, to have their lives tested as well. And we assume that um, that time period of testing and judgment will take place during the tribulation period. Well, it might not, right? It could take place afterwards. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think um, I don't believe in the partial rapture theory simply because I don't see it anywhere. And when I don't see it, I mean, Jesus does say, blessed are those who are watching when they see the, um, sorry, uh, blessed are those uh, who are watching when their master returns. And what a beautiful thing that would be if we're driving down the road and we look up at the sun or up at the, some clouds and we go, man, Jesus could come back at any time just to see him come through and to be caught up to meet him in the air. Thank you. My wife heard it and she brought me the book. So um, let me see if it's the right way here. I think I could flip it so you can see if it's, if it's the wrong way on here. Um, let me go ahead and get um, here. So uh, the book is, can you read it or is it backwards? Where Are the Missing People is the name of the book, and it's by Jimmy Evans. And uh, uh, he covers, um, he just kind of covers what, it, what happens with it. Uh, let me see if I can get uh, to a uh, table of contents here. Um, acknowledgements, introduction. Um, gone, they're just gone, vanished into the air. They've disappeared, and it seems to have happened uh, in an instant. Your, fam your friends, your family, and then it goes on to talk about it. Um, Everlasting life, 
Additional Steps Towards Christ. So it's just a book uh, that you leave in your house and when you go, uh, then your family comes over and picks it up and they read it and they come to Christ. And uh, my wife ordered several of these, uh, so we have them around here. Maybe I'll leave that one right there on my studio for when the family comes in to take my studio stuff <laughs> when I'm gone. <laughs> all right. Um, I, hopefully all of my family will be with the Lord, will be raptured with me, by the way. Whoever um, would be inheriting this stuff when I'm gone. All right. Uh, so, um... Thank you for that question. And I don't believe in the partial rapture. All right. Uh, First Corinthians 15 there talks about the rapture. It is our bodies being resurrected without dying, the mystery. Uh, Bible says so. So let's go there. Let's go to First um, Corinthians 15. Um, the only event that we find, this is why we say this is a rapture event, is first of all, it's the, the whole chapter is talking about the resurrection. And th that's really important to understand, okay? Um, because there are people in their day that are teaching that there is no um, that there is no resurrection. And Paul's like, if there's no resurrection, then we of all people. Um, let me just go here. We'll read some of this. Um, so it says, now, if Christ is preached that has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Yes, we are, are found false witnesses of God. We have testified of God of raising up Christ whom did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So this is certain Christians who were teaching that the dead didn't rise. And there are Christians who teach that today. Um, and there are people who teach that today. Now, uh, the, the, in the progressive church, that Jesus never resurrected from the dead. It's just a, it's just a thought, or it was a type. Um, so here's verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. He is the first fruits. His resurrection was the first fruits of those who are asleep who are going to have a resurrection. For since by men came death, by one man resurrection of the dead. For also Adam, um, for in Adam all die, and in Christ also be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. After these, we are Christ at His coming. Then come to the end who delivers the kingdom of God. Um, let's see. Let me, let me see if I can get to the right spot here. Um, otherwise, we will be baptized. Well, did I miss it? Maybe not. Let me see here. I definitely want to read this. Um, ah, here we go. Okay, good. I'm glad I looked it up. So it's in verse 50. So let's had to go all the way through it. Um, but now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit the incorruptible. Behold, I tell you a mystery. So this is hard to understand. This is the rapture and it's a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we won't all die, but we shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. This is not a resurrection. This is saying we, we don't die. It's not people that are dead who are changing in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, although their bodies might, but it's saying we are not all going to die in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And there's where the last trumpet is mentioned. Doesn't mean the seventh trumpet of Revelation. It's the last trumpet of the church. There can be more than one last trumpet, right? Think about a concert with a band every night, with a, with a big band every night. And every night there's a last trumpet, okay? And there will be eventually one last, last trumpet. So there's no reason for us to think this is the last, last trumpet. But at the last trumpet for the church, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. So there it is. We're not all gonna sleep, but some of us are gonna be changed and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So it's exactly like 1 Thessalonians chapter four, just worded differently. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruptible, this mortal is put on immortality. So then will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Um, o death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? So yes, it is definitely those who are alive, who are changed in a moment, and those who are dead being resurrected. This is the same event, and it's clear um, as we see it here in Scripture. 
All right. Uh, thank you. And um, we have a question from Violet Stag, which I barely got your question in last time. And same thing here, um, Violet. Um, question, I'm struggling with having peace. My health has been declining and it's been affecting my mind and I have no peace amidst all of the thoughts and mood swings. How can I get the Lord's peace? Um, well, I'm so sorry to hear that, Violet Stag. Um, I hope your health gets better. And I hope the Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus, that the Lord would comfort you and bring you peace even right now. That in the midst of whatever struggling and suffering you're going through, that you would be able to find that presence of God. And um, to answer your question, um, how can I get the Lord's peace? Um, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So it's saying, just evaluate where you're at. Make sure you've got the sins taken care of in your life. You have short accounts with God. You have things right with God. And then draw near to him. And he will draw near to you. Um, I've been through hard times myself. I know what it's like to go through those struggles and to not have peace. And I know that God met me and gave me peace and gave me comfort. And I know that God can do the same with you, Violet Stag. I don't know all the details of what you're going through, <clears throat> but I will be praying for you. Uh, the Bible says, delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible says the mindset on, on the flesh is, is carnally minded, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And so I want to I go there. Let me see if I can find that verse for you. And uh, we'll, <clears throat> we'll, we'll leave our Q&A on this. Um, and let's just go, um, let's see. Yeah, all right. So let's start with, um, I'm going to go to Romans 8. Here's a verse for you. Um, I'm going to start in verse, I'm going to start in verse 1. And, and we'll go, all right. So Violet um, Stag, this is for you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, it was weak through the flesh. Doesn't mean it was bad, it was just weak, the law. God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh that right, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. Now he's going to talk about Christian living, putting our mind on the things of the flesh or on the things of the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, uh, for it is not subject to God, nor can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised him from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. So set your mind on spiritual things and let it be life and peace to you. May you find that peace and comfort um, completely and totally. Um, if, uh, well, um, I would love to hear from you more, um, Violet Stag. Um, I have an email. I don't answer all of what comes in on the email and I gotta make that very clear. Um, I just wouldn't be able to have time to do it but you can send me an email, Violet Stag, kind of let me know what's going on with you. Um, Robert at CalvaryTucson.com, okay? Robert at CalvaryTucson.com. And I, I do read through my emails, so if any of you guys want to send me an email, you can, but I'm, I'm, I cannot promise I'm going to answer them, all right? So um, don't have um, expectations of me answering, but I would really like to know more about what you're going through, all right? And um, so I can pray for you. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And may God bring you peace and may you find it. 
All right, so I'm done. We've got a service here in about an hour. We're going to be talking about mystery Babylon. Is it Babylon being rebuilt? Is it um, New York City? Is it America? Uh, is it um, Israel? Is, you know, all, all these different suggestions that people have for mystery Babylon and Babylon being destroyed and what that all means. We'll be covering Revelation 17 verses 8 through, no, 7 through um, 18 in our study today. And we'll be talking about mystery Babylon, which I'm sure is going to bring up a lot of questions. Um, that'll be um, tonight if you're in Tucson and you want to come out to it. It's our East Campus. Camino Seco and Speedway at 6 o'clock. It's at our West Campus, Palo Verde and I-10 um, at 7.15. All right, that's our service. We'll have about 20 minutes of worship or so. Then we'll get into the Word together and um, pray that people will get saved tonight. I'm going to give people opportunities to give their lives to Jesus tonight. Pray with me that God would do that. Pray that the worship would be sweet at both places and that God's Word would go through with power. Um, I've been working hard on this particular study all day long um, because I don't want to misrepresent anything. All right. So I see there's other questions that follows up, a follow up here. Um, I will get to them. Um, Keith is going to send me the um, log here and I'll be able to take a look at these questions and even cover them in a future Q&A. Good to have you guys here. Stay close to Jesus. May you be closer to him this week than ever before. And may God use you as a light that shines in darkness. You're a city, city set on a hill. You're ambassadors for Christ as if you're imploring people to come to Christ. And may God fill you with the Spirit to be able to do that work. All right. God bless you guys. I'm out. Love you. We will see you later on. Bye.